Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to another edition of the Hoop Jack Podcast Series. I am your host, Chris Farmstead. With me, as always, is the marvelous Jacob Atkins. Jake, how are you doing today? Doing all right, brother. How are you? Uh, can't complain. It's Friday. You know, the weekend's here. Mm-hmm. I think, think we're all excited about that weekend. So, not a whole lot in this day in history, but kind of we'll gloss over some few, a few of the big headlines in other sports. Um, tonight we have game one of the ALCS between the Astros and the Red Sox. Pretty big series there. Um, we also have, you know, we're getting, we're getting down to the nitty gritty before the season starts. Yeah, as we're trying, we're doing the best that we can. We're trying. Well, what do you think, Jake? It's tough. I know. It's um, also uh, big news NFL wise. Zach Ertz got traded. So big news coming out of the NFL world. Zach Ertz traded to the undefeated Arizona Cardinals today. Yeah, that'll be big for them. Uh, Murray's having a, a pretty good year. So that'll be big to have a little bit more help. So it'll be good, interesting to see how that goes. So not much in this day in history, guys. We're entering the last. The last games, I think, tonight of the preseason before next week, we finally get into opening night of the NBA where we can actually get things rolling. You know, considering how many topics we've done this summer, I don't know how we've made it this far. It, it's, it's a wonder we've done two episodes a week every week the entire offseason. <laughs> I don't know, guys, but I want to thank again everyone for taking the time to keep keep us strong while we're doing this for listening for supporting for everything so we're gonna get right into it uh with the first topic today with ben simmons finally and it looks like you know not really saying that it's a welcome party but he re came back to 76ers camp you know they're still trying to get him out and then also he who shall not be named. And if you're new to the channel, <laughs> Jake, Jake cannot kind of give you all that kind of feeling, but it's Mr. Kyrie Smirving, Kyrie Irving. He's not um, vaccinating, therefore, he's not uh, going to play home games or even some of the away games that, you know, requires that state where that states required for players to be vaccinated. Did you see his Instagram live video? I did. He's a clown if I've ever seen one. It's not, he's not rep job right now. If he, if he's not anti-vax, why will he not get it? Okay. No, he said he wants to be a voice for those who don't have a voice. But when he was asked on media day about his vaccination status, he didn't want to talk about it. So did he not want to be a voice back then? Or is this just an act because he's getting sidelined for the rest of the season? I just don't, I don't understand Kyrie Irving. He's a clown. It could be both. I think at the end of the day, it could be both. It's still, the media is covering him. He's still getting attention. But at the same time, you're not playing. So he has zero trade value right now. Zero trade value right you, now. If I was any team, I would not touch him. And the same goes for Ben Simmons. I wouldn't touch him. See, Simmons, I would be okay with if he's like the third best player. Because if he's the, like, if he was on Brooklyn, I would be okay with him because you surround him by shooters with Joe Harris. James Harden, Kevin Durant, and he doesn't really have to shoot. They can right. spread the floor. They don't have a big that's going to clog the paint. And if they start to foul him late in the game, take him out, and you've got two other guys who've won an MVP and led the league in scoring on your team to hold it down to the fourth. So Brooklyn, to me, is where Ben Simmons makes the most sense. That's the only if I if I'm that's the only that's the only team that I think should have any interest in him. I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong. I think right now Ben Simmons is not a 
first option. Yeah, he's no. a third option right now. Yeah, because because what's funny is people brag about you know, I think we, and we talked about this so many times with his workout videos. Bro, you're going up against ISO Joe, who's playing in the big three. Like ISO Joe, in my opinion, can still ball, but he's not in the league. Play somebody yeah. actually who's in the league. And there, there's a reason he's not in the league. Like he's he's old and he's washed. Like yeah. he's 40 years old. And I'm I'm tired of seeing these workout videos. I'm tired over of, the yeah, summer. Everyone not... looks like a beast in these workout videos. I don't care about anything outside of the season. Right. Like you it don't just... you don't see Luca posting videos. You don't see Trey posting videos. But we saw Luca come into media day looking thin as he ever has. So I know you're so talking about, you know, the Mavericks. You're around the Charlotte area. Yep. What was your opinion about that? I almost got to go to that game. Very disappointing. Almost got to go to that game. Very disappointing loss. So if you guys don't know, the the Hornets lost. Oh, but they did not lose by little. They lost by a lot. That's bad. so bad. Sixty-eight <laughs> points. I don't even. They didn't even score sixty-eight points, did they? I think in one quarter they scored like nine points. Let me see. It was so the quarter by quarter was so bad. Hornets average score. It was so bad. Yeah, they didn't even score sixty-eight points. They scored fifty-nine points. It was so bad. They got doubled. Got. That's bad. That's just. Oh, I can't even believe that was actually but, an NBA preseason. But it's a preseason. Yeah, but I don't at the put same any, time, I, I, would not to get in, I would not want to get embarrassed by that much. At home, nonetheless. Like, I paid money to go see a decent game. I'm actually excited for the Celtics Heat game tonight. Both, so, both teams rested their starters last game. But Smart's not in there. He's ineligible. That that whole situation is kind of – I get you had to suspend him, but if he was already going to be a DMP for the la, for their last game when he missed the flight, mm-hmm. why not just rule him – like say Marcus Smart's going to play, and then like an, a half hour later, Marcus Smart missed his flight. He's suspended for this game. Yeah. Now he's going to miss two games instead of just one? I don't know. I don't know. There just wasn't a bright idea to that one. It doesn't but, make sense to me. But moving along to the next topic, and I thought this was an interesting. So we're moving from the NBA to the NCAA. And I know we haven't talked about the NCAA in a while. But I saw an interesting news article that really took, you know, uh, brought it in, into interesting form. So the NCAA, they put out a task force, I guess, throughout colleges and they're recommending ending standardized test score requirements. So, I'll bring up the article. According to Bleacher Report, so they are they want to eliminate standardized test score requirements for student athletes transitioning from high school to the to the D, Division One or Division Two level. Um, Morgan. State President David Wilson, who is the head of the task force, said the following regarding the recommendation. He said, quote, this work reflects the NCAA's commitment to continually reviewing our academic standards based on the available, the best available data and other relevant information. We are observing a national trend in NCAA member schools moving away from requiring standardized test scores for admissions purposes and this recommendation for athletics eligibility for athletic Athletics eligibility aligns directly with that movement, end quote. And they said, while the task force has concluded that SAT and SAT, ACT requirements should no longer be considered, additional steps have been made in order to officially change the rules. They said the NCAA announced that the, the Division I Committee on Academics and Division II Academic Requirements Committee will meet in February 2022 to discuss the topic. 
if an elimination of standardized test requirements is determined to be the best course of action through the, quote, legislative process, end quote, of both committees, then official changes can be made. So my question to you is this. One, where was this where we were in school? And two, because I felt like, you know, my scores were terrible. But at the same time, this this isn't going to make things, you know, because we had that whole, you remember that documentary, Operation Varsity Blues? I do not remember that. Okay, so Operation Varsity Blues was that whole college admission scandal. Oh, with that that woman from it uh, was Full Lo- House. Yeah, Full House, and the, the two act, the two. I tell you actresses. though, her her daughter can dance. She's on Dancing with the Stars. Right. She, yeah. She's pretty good. So my question to you is, even like with no scores, you're basically relying on grades now. Is it going to hurt more for kids without good grades to make it to a higher, like the high D1 level? Why would we not want to push the youth to achieve academically? Why would we not want that? I'm not saying that they can't. I'm saying that with the school systems, how they are now, it's schools around the country are kind of, hitting and missing areas where it's not it's you're not talking about school it's talking about a lot of current events type situations that you know kids need to be taught more things in about life than something in a book i'm i'm all for that but i don't think we need to take away standardized testing requirements i've got i've got it pulled up here you can mm-hmm. get, you know, Shawan, the you you might have played him in college, Shawan. Yeah. I think it's North Carolina. Um, yeah. Their ACT requirement is 14. That's low. That's Claflin, really... Uni- Claflin University, 12. You know how hard it is to not get a 12? That's really low. I'm not even going to lie. Bennett you get College, certain points I think by writing Kentucky. their name. Yeah. yeah. I think Bennett College is in Kentucky. I'm not exactly sure on that, but you can get in that with a 14. Most schools you can get into with a 14. Why would we want to lower that? Why would we want to let people think that it's okay to score lower than that? I got 20, 25 on my ACT, 1250 on my SAT. Academics are important. Well, guys, we figured out who the brainiac of the, of the duo is. I'm telling Acad- you, I'm telling you, academics right are important. <laughs> Shoot, my brother got a dag on 28. I'm not saying they aren't important. I'm saying it, how how much will this affect the college enrollment in schools around the country, especially with athletics? I mean, because those tests can – if you're not a strong student in the classroom but you do well on the standardized test, that goes a long way. And it can't because ACTs and ACTs, you know, they're they're more, you know, it's standard. It's just what you know, like, but also tests, you're kind of reiterating it. You know, you're kind of the schoolwork is, you know, everything's in a book or everything's on a computer, you know, hands on stuff is still it's trying to get better. But at the same time, we're not evolving our education. If we are, it's marginal in certain areas all over the country there needs to be an educational reform mm-hmm. like some things need to be revisited but the problem is you're not paying and we're you know we're, we're yeah. getting to like sides but we're we're not paying teachers enough schools are a lot of schools and some schools in the country are underfunded but you also have I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to go there because I'm going to get mad. I'm going to start feeling mad. That's a, that's a line that I don't want to cross right now. But, you know, I think as far as the standardized test goes, it helps kids that are more common sense and can under, like, just do it in their head and they, they can figure, they, they know it. But in a classroom where you're kind of grouped together and you're trying to see where you, where you fit on that curve, it's tough. But then what happens when you're you're in your freshman classes and you gotta take finals? Yeah. 
you you might have more more athletes inclined to go to college, but I feel like there would be more athletes dropping out of college or failing out of college or being on academic probation. Right. Because there has to be some degree of of academic like accountability. Mm-hmm. Well, there has and there's always ways where people need to go get help. There's always the, the I'm sure you had it at um Charleston, uh, Char, uh, yeah. I'm drawing a blank. Charleston. Where, Speaking like, of Charleston, we'll we'll circle back around to them here in one we'll second. Si- we'll si- oh, we'll circle around back to the yeah, topic. Well, well, yeah, just UC in general. Completely okay. unrelated to this topic. Completely unrelated. They sent three to the ITA Nationals. Uh-huh. Three. And they actually won matches at Nationals. Huh. The singles made it past. He made it into the quarterfinals, or uh-huh. yes, quarterfinals. Doubles made it into the semifinals. I think. Uh huh. Like that's huge. It's so huge for the y'all. double. The doubles finals for the regional ITA was an all UC final. The singles final was an all UC final. That's crazy. Yeah, that's ridiculous. They've got three people on that team that are nationally ranked. They uh, last weekend I would have went if I had known they were in North Carolina, but they beat um, Wingate and Lenore Ryan, which were two top twenty-five ranked teams. Oh uh, yeah, we played against Lenore Ryan um, when we were at school. I think I was—I don't know whether we got swept or I was the only one who won my match. But they, they played like forty-five minutes away from my apartment. Could have yeah. easily went if I had known. Yeah, I think we had swept, but. They got. I mean, they were good, but I think I I have not stepped foot back at my alma mater since I graduated. I have no intention of going back to mine. I have no intention either. The the athletically, I'll support how I can. I'll be there as a fan. But in terms of like the university, they're they're dead to me. I just I just didn't care how I got treated as you know one of the members on the team because you know me I was I and he could Jake could tell you and Alec could tell you of all the guys on our team I think I was the only one who actually made friends with y'all yeah I was the only one who would go up and start the only one who would talk to every single person on other teams I would I would talk to everyone else but my own team Uh, you know it's like it's like that was when a you, weird thing. It, it was so weird. Like whenever we would go to, whenever we'd go to the conference tournament, we would go to ITAs. You kind of flock to people from your own country. Like yeah. you would have five or six guys from three or four different teams, all from the same country, just chilling, hanging out. Then you you look over to the other corner, and you've got three or four guys from a, another country on a few different teams, like. You see people, and you're like, oh, he's probably from around here. Let me go holler at him. It's, it's wild how that happens. It's wild, but when we play against y'all, or we played, we played against Charleston, played against Fairmont State, I don't remember anyone from our team actually having, other than myself, having a conversation with y'all. I don't think I remember. Yeah, no. I think I was the only one who actually said, what's up? And how are y'all doing? I think I was it. And I was just like, What's up, guys? Come on. And they were I like, nah, nah. Fair, Fairmont and West Virginia State, just because West Virginia State, my my doubles partner in high school, we also went to college at UC together. Mm. So a lot of the guys that we played with and against in high school went to West Virginia State. So whenever we played West Virginia State, we had like already known them and been friends with them. And then Fairmont, you know, um, Aaron and Ryan and and Zach and Alec, like yeah, th- those guys were always around, like in USTA Junior stuff. Right. So we already knew them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so, it, yeah. And I think it's interesting how that kind of aspect goes, where you kind, like you said, you kind of flock to who you think you could talk to and have a conversation yeah. with. But kind of ending the little segment we had right here, I think with just transitioning back to the NCAA, you know, standardized test. I think 
I, I agree with you on the fact that we still need standardized tests, I think. And I also agree that the whole education reform, we need an education reform. Like a complete, you know, it needs a switch. Yep. So we're going to take a short break, guys. When we come back, we have a very special one-on-one Hooper profile with Auburn University women's basketball player Riley Donahue. So stay tuned. Welcome back, Hoop Jack fans. And today for our one-on-one Hooper profile, we have a very special guest from the from the University of Auburn, Auburn Tigers, War Eagle Territory, women's basketball, Riley Donahue. Riley, it's good to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you. So um, first off, you grew up in Atlanta, correct? Yes, born and raised. So, and then I was reading up your family. You have a family that's very much athletic wise, but basketball was not the yeah, top no. choice. It <laughs> yeah. was swimming, actually. Yeah, basically, all my uh, family members who've gone to college for athletics were swimmers. I've been the first basketball player. I had one lacrosse player, but yeah. Was swimming just not as enticing as basketball? No, I really didn't enjoy it as much. Um, I mean, I still did summer swim when I was younger because, mm-hmm. you know, I got chance to meet people, meet friends, some of which I am still friends with. So it was just like a fun thing to do for me that wasn't like basketball. When did you basketball was the clear cut? I want to focus on this. Man, oh my goodness. All I know is as soon as I was born, I picked up a basketball around kindergarten and I I never put it down. It was just like a feeling I can't even describe. I still like can't even really describe it. I mean, it's like my therapy, my rock. And like, I had like such a passion for it that just, you know, wasn't present in swimming. Like I did swimming for fun, but basketball, it was just something like I knew I wanted to play as long as I could. Mm-hmm. And I can't even imagine like you, you picked it up and said, I'm not letting this go. I'm not putting down the rock. Yeah. It's, it's my everything. It's, it's the rock. It's my therapy whenever I'm, you know, going through anything like I always have it I go shoot I like I would shoot on my driveway whether it be in the pitch black the rain like it didn't matter to me it was always there it was one very solid thing in my life Mm -hmm. that's good to hear that you know you were committed from a one day one it was there Mm -hmm. and you played your high school ball at Marist high school correct yes and what was kind of it like playing for them and then the culture around I know Atlanta's big on basketball. Like you have, you know, and you have the Hawks out there, even WNBA teams out there. But what was the culture like and playing basketball around there, the competition like in and around Marist High School? So we were a four A high school. So we had about a little over a thousand kids. So our competition when we played four A it was decent, but it was nothing like when we played six A and seven A schools. Like those schools are like wow those are some really strong powerful schools they have you know the big names you hear um you know like Westlake they had like Raven Johnson and Snoop and Mm -hmm. all of them like those are like the big schools you hear about Marist was kind of like in the shadow of all of that because we're a 4A school yes we're very powerful in like our little region but when you think of big name basketball players that are playing now like in the NCAA we had most of them were in six and seven A. Mm-hmm. So it was getting being able to have that kind of competition. Were you able to play like a lot more, not just in your division, but as well as reaching out to other divisions? Like you were talking about with six A, was that some of the teams and conferences you'd be playing against in like regular season? I know um, my head coach at my high school would definitely try to schedule a few 6A, 7A games because most of the time, you know, you're playing within your region or, like, lesser in your region. There's people kind of close to you. So I know you try to schedule a few games. Luckily, though, like, we we had some players that were very dominant and were able to get recognized being at such a small school. You had Dominique Odin and Diara Odin. Dominique, you know, played at Purdue. She graduated recently. And then Diara plays at Johns Hopkins. And, you know, now I'm at Auburn. So it's like we were still able to get recognition and be seen, even though we were like in a smaller group. But I 
I commend our coaches for, you know, at least attempting to get us some six and seven, eight games, some bigger games. Mm-hmm. And not just you were part of the high school circuit, you were also part of the AAU circuit. Always. You, so <laughs> what was it like playing for uh, both Team Elite and FBC Legacy? That's my family right there. Like, I still talk – I call her my auntie. I still talk to my auntie. She was one of my coaches when I first started for Team Elite my junior year. Like, that's my that's my family right there. No matter what I was going through, they would always push me to be the best, and they were there for me no matter what. They helped me get my name on the map. They were the ones that helped me get my name on the map, for sure. And they are, they're my family. They're my blood. I still go back whenever I can to go to their practices, or I check up on my older – my older teammates who were playing in college and my younger teammates who were still playing in high school. Like I always try to at least make a couple games if possible. I know with everyone knows with basketball schedules, like at the D one level, it's very hard to, you know, get some free time to be able to visit people. But I definitely try to come back and see my family. Right. And uh, throughout kind of high school leading up to college, you, you and just like every other Hooper in the nation, We've been dealing with the pandemic. Hard was it for you? Because I know that was around the time you were senior going into your freshman year of college, correct? Exactly, yeah. So how how hard was it to kind of have everything come to a grinding halt? Because I know basketball, like I know it's uh, the, all the hoopers we've talked to, it, it's been really hard on them. Because, you know, they can't work out. They can't, you know, the teammate chemistry is still hard. How was it for you? Um, luckily, with my AAU team, I had coaches that like really pushed to get us in the gym, whether it be by ourselves or with each other. Of course, we did all the protocols necessary, taking our temperature outside, wearing masks. You know, we even wore long sleeve clothing, so it wasn't possible. You know, if sweat gets on you or everything, because you know we didn't really understand at the time how it really transferred. So we were doing every safety protocol necessary, and I really am thankful for my AAU coaches for getting us in the gym. And at the same time, when I really look back and reflect on it, honestly, without COVID, because of how late I got into recruiting, I don't know if I'd be at Auburn right now. So although it's very negative for everything that had happened, the lives lost, how like my senior year, like the fun part of senior year, was basically shut down like we didn't have any of the fun senior year activities that you look forward to your entire high school career honestly without it i like i said i probably would not be playing for auburn right now i probably would not be at the d1 level like this this pandemic gave me the opportunity i have now which you know is i'm grateful for it but at the same time it's it's very heartbreaking that it had to happen in general so you were talking. So like you said, you're talking about it may not have been Auburn, but you and like I said, you can't. When we started, you came from your dad was a swimmer at Auburn, correct? Yes. So would you have still gone to Auburn without basketball, or would you have gone somewhere to kind of fulfill that basketball? You still want to play at the college level? I probably would have gone to a place where I could fulfill that basketball like commitment because that's all I ever wanted to do. Like from uh, like the young middle school age, I knew I wanted to play the next level and mm-hmm. I would get there no matter what. And like I said, I got late into my recruiting. So my name wasn't really on the map until like my junior year. And by that time, you know, all the offers are out and everything. So it's just like, I right. probably, yeah, I, I would definitely not be at Auburn. I'd be at a different school if that was what happened. Right, but right now you are currently at the University of Auburn. You're on the roster and everything like that. I'm sure that puts a smile on your face every single day. Yes, being able to represent Auburn University and represent the school that both my parents went to, is it's it means more to me than probably most people on the team because I don't think anyone else on the team has a relative or a parent that went to Auburn. So being able to carry not only my parents' legacies but my dad's athletic legacy it's mm-hmm. it's a really big deal to me. So, kind of doing some digging, I see everyone having talk to me about. I think it's called tip off. Yep, tip off at tip, tip off at tip off at yeah. Talk to me about that. What was that feeling like? So I don't remember when it started. I just remember seeing it when I was. It was two years ago. So I was what a junior, senior in high school. 
I remember seeing it on Twitter and I was like, whoa, like this is such a cool thing to see. Like who would have thought to put a giant basketball court in the middle of Tumor's Corner, which is like the central point of Auburn. And Mm -hmm. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And then realizing like, oh my gosh, like I get to do it this year was one of the most exciting feelings like I've ever had because you're surrounded by your fans, your classmates, your friends, your family. Like, I don't know how my mom did it, but my mom got front row at one one of the sections and I went up and hugged her. And it's just, it's such a surreal feeling being able to get on that basketball court around everyone that is really rooting for y'all. So it was Mm -hmm. such a cool experience. And what was it like your freshman year being able to get kind of that experience? Because you did get, you got some playing time during your freshman year um, against certain, one of the, some of the, I think it was um, USC Upstate and a couple of other schools as well. Yeah. What was that feeling like being able to get on the court? It was a dream come true for real. I remember when uh, before the season even started, they were testing out the lights while we were practicing. When practicing the arena, I just stopped in my tracks and I looked up and I'm like, wow, like I really made it. Like it's such a undescribable feeling. And when I got on that court, I wasn't, I mean, obviously I had a little bit of nervousness, but it was more excitement than anything. Like so many people growing up had told me like, you're not going to make it D1 or you're not tall enough. You're not fast enough. You're not strong enough. This, that, and the third. And being able to step on that court and even score during the season, it's it was a dream come true. I bet. And um, heading into your sophomore season, uh, we had talked earlier on um, that, you know, you weren't on the official roster. Was there – you know, certain things going on because, and we don't have to talk about it if you want, because I know it can be a personal matter, but, um, was, you know, was it health? I mean, health reasons, you know, kind of just making sure classes are getting set and everything like that. Yeah, it was a medical reason. Basically the entire summer I had tonsillitis mm-hmm. and that's basically the thing where my tonsils got so big to the point where they were touching, I couldn't breathe. So I was not like doing well and they ended up taking me out, uh, you know, because every time I would practice, they would flare up and I couldn't breathe. I couldn't finish drills, whatever it may be, couldn't finish sprints. And it really took a toll on me because I couldn't practice. But even if I wanted to practice medically, I couldn't because I could not breathe. And the entire basically the entire summer I missed, I wasn't able to practice because of it. And that was probably one of the biggest like mental tolls on me because that's the sport you love and it's being taken away by something you can't control. Um, right. Luckily, I was able to get my tonsils out. So I got surgery, uh, what was it, in August. Mm-hmm. And I finally got cleared in September. But before I got cleared, we just had you know, a talk with the coach and she's like, you missed most of the summer. And I mean, it was a coaching decision. And obviously, like, this is a business field. If you have someone who's not producing for months now, then being off the team would be a smart decision. So she made the decision to take me off the team. But I decided to stay and be a practice player because I haven't been, you know, practicing for three, three and a half months. So I don't have my conditioning, I don't have my legs, I don't have my strength. So as soon as I got clearance, I started working out on my own at uh, the rec center and I started shooting, lifting weights, getting my conditioning up, anything I could to get back in shape. And as a practice player, my goal was to push this team to win games this year, because I know for a fact that all of us do not want to have the record we had last year. So that was my goal. And because I pushed myself, the coach had called me in at one point and she had, we had a discussion and by the end of it, she said, we are willing to uh, have you back on as a walk-on. And, of course, I'm going to jump on as an opportunity. Because, first off, I like to earn my stuff. I don't like to be given it. So that walk-on opportunity does not phase me. And I know a lot of coaches are like, oh, we don't like walk-ons. Or there's this whole stigma about being a walk-on, you're not as good. But walk-ons, every walk-on I've met is one of the hardest-working people I know. So I'm just glad and grateful that my coach 
Coach Jay, welcome you back to the team recently. That's good to hear. And um, what can you tell me, and you were talking about the coach, you know, like you said, it's a more of a business, but being able to have that opportunity to walk on and come back to prove that you are willing to commit 110% to the team is important. Um, what is it like playing under head coach, I'm making sure I'm saying this right, Terry Williams Flournoy, is that correct? Yeah, Coach Flo. So yeah, but everyone and everyone calls her and everyone knows her better as Coach Flo. That's mm. it. Yeah, gotta have, a, gotta have a nickname to represent. But what's what's it like playing for her and kind of how she's able to help motivate you guys and help grow you guys for the next level, after, even after college, on and off the court. I mean, she was our coach last year. We have a whole new coaching staff this year. Oh, you so. have a whole new coaching staff this year. Yeah. So our, what, what was it like playing for her? Um, playing under her, it's – I mean, I don't like to focus on the old, but in terms of coaching styles, I feel uh, I feel more of a family feel with this coaching staff. Coach Jay definitely takes time to, you know, have meetings, talk to us, and the different coaches have, like, reached out and made sure we're okay. We have different – it's definitely a different atmosphere – at first, it seemed controlling. I can't even lie because we were used to, you know, not having to run all the time in practice or we didn't have to, like, go up to the offices every day or we didn't have to do some other things that we have to do this year. And at first, I can't even lie, a bunch of us were, like, it's controlling, like, we don't really like it. But now we've gotten used to it and we realize it's all for the greater good to win that NCAA championship. So under this new coaching staff, we're gradually buying in. And this coaching staff wants nothing but the best from us all the time. And we're working to give them that. That's good to hear that, you know, there's it's a growing kind of method, like you kind of just feeling out. But now that's kind of you trust you trust them in the long run. The whole trust. It's a trusting process. For sure. Like we've uh, coached uh, Bob Starkey has had multiple connections with the WNBA come back and speak to us. Um, and it's just been super cool hearing, you know, how they either played under him or played under Coach Jay. And they come back and talk to us. And it's just really cool to see they're at the next level. Like, they did that under these coaches who have rings to show that they are legit coaches. So it's mm -hmm. really cool the opportunities they're trying to get us to. And that's good to hear that, you know, they're bringing in light experts and kind of their stories so that you guys can be motivated to achieve that goal. Yeah, for sure. So before we get into my last question, uh, this is the part where I kind of want to give your time to mention. But before we get to kind of that, tell me about Reaching Dreams. Mm, my merch brand. <laughs> mm -hmm. I did my research. I want to put that out there so tell me about reaching dreams yeah so i took uh a company reached out to me when nil was coming about um and of course i went through compliance to make sure i didn't cross anything but they reached out to me wanting to help me make my own merch brand i never thought about it before but i thought it'd be a really cool idea because i like to i like to build a fan base i'm not the type of athlete who like uses their whole personality as their sport or like does not talk to anyone who's not an athlete. Like if you come to this campus, it's kind of funny. Multiple t people have come up to me like, Riley, who do you not know? Like I like to get out there and meet people. And growing up, like that was who I was. And I like to reach out. And one thing I'd always had, you know, playing basketball was I wanted to reach my dream of D1 basketball. And every time someone told me I couldn't, it was just another motivating factor. And so it kind of worked out that my name is Riley Donahue. So Reaching Dreams RD is <laughs> like in orange. And then I took the orange and blue kind of Auburn feel. I, of course, incorporated the city where I'm from, Atlanta. My number at Auburn is number four. So I put four stars. That has nothing to do with my rating. I didn't have any rating <laughs> because of how late I came in to the recruiting yeah. form. But I really thought like it was a cool idea and I'm very appreciative of Boosted Biz, which was the company that reached out that reached out to me and helped me help me design this whole idea and incorporate what I wanted. And it's really I feel like it's a very big message because you, you get to wear it across your chest first off. 
And it's more of like, you could look down at it. It could be a motivating factor. Like for me, I've reached my dreams, but there's still place I want to go. But for others, it could be a symbol of motivation. Like who would have known that a girl from Atlanta who was late in recruiting, didn't even get to talk to colleges to her senior year, then the pandemic happened, would end up at a D1 school. Like, not many people would think that would have been a possibility. But, you know, it happened. I reached my dreams. And anyone can if they work hard and they don't listen to those negative factors. Use them as motivation. I know, like, sometimes it's going to get to you. Like, trust me, it got to me a few times, especially with coaches that I, like, really loved and I really, like, followed – like their leadership would tell me stuff like that. But then when you take it and take that negative and turn it to a positive, you could reach your dreams. I promise you that. That's some great advice. And that kind of segue. So before, again, so is anybody else you want to mention? I know we talked about your brand. Anybody else you want to mention? Um, I'm trying to think. Currently, I do have, Um, there's a uh, brand called Made to Stand Out which I'm a ambassador for, which you could use my code at checkout. It's, I think it's RD15. That's my code. They do a bunch of athletic stuff. It's really cool. Like the hoodie I have is super comfortable. Uh, so that's one thing. I've tried uh, partnering with some jewelry companies as well as this women's boxer company called Waxer. All very like great deals, great places. And like, I don't like to... I like to say I don't like to go for the big names because trust me, when NIL, like as soon as July 1st came, I was trying to get into like, you know, Nike, Under Armour, all of that. I think but honestly, was trying to, yeah. yeah, exactly. Honestly, if you're not a big name, then it's going to be very hard. And I stayed with smaller brands and those smaller brands have, you know, been the most supportive towards me and where I want to go. Right. But like, and it's like you said, you, you have a great story behind how you got to where you were. So it's nice to hear that you are reaching out to brands kind of with a story that they can go for and go with you. Exactly. Yeah. They are, they are helping me along for sure. And they are helping me more than they know, get my name out because I've had people actually recognize like when I am like downtown in Auburn, just like strolling or going to get food with friends. I've had, some of my friends and some people that I've seen but don't know entirely actually point and be like, isn't that your merch brand? I'll be like, yeah. And it's super cool to see how it's like spreading gradually. Like I said, I'm not a huge big name like in Auburn. Like when you think of Auburn, you think of Smoke Monday, Tank Bigsby, Alan Flanagan, like big names like that. So mm-hmm. it's just nice to be able to kind of get up there gradually. Right. That's good to hear. And kind of keep that brand going. And then my last question, you kind of answered it a little bit with your story, um, but it's what advice would you give to a high school hooper wanting to play at the college level? Keep, like, stay in the gym. Always stay in the gym. Like, I know coming from a high school hooper, who I once was, it's probably your therapy. It's probably one of the things that's very solid in your life. It doesn't matter if the lights are on or off, if it's raining, snowing, whatever. Always stay in the gym. Always work on your game. Don't let anyone tell you what you can and cannot do. Because once you get those negative factors in your life, it's really going to affect you and your game. So you always need to make sure, first off, take care of yourself mentally. That's a big thing. Because this game, AS is the physical game, but it's 90% mental. So if you don't have that mental toughness, it's going to be really hard on you. So make sure you're taking care of your mental health, whether it be therapist, medicine, whatever, maybe find somebody, please, because that's going to be a major thing. I still struggle with my mental health, but I make sure that I'm getting the right support I need. And then, yeah, just keep working, keep grinding. Right. And that's great to hear Riley, that you kind of want to make sure that everyone's taking care of their mentally and that it's just a grind. Mm -hmm. You, you, you grinded to where you are now and you know, you're making a name for yourself at uh, Auburn. Yes, for sure. And especially on the AAU circuit, I don't think a lot of people realize it's the little things like you could be this amazing Hooper, but if you have a bad attitude, you're not going to be picked up by anybody. You have to have a good attitude, good body language and be a good teammate at all times. 
even if you're from like a small 4A school like I was, the biggest things that got me to Auburn were how I carried myself, whether I be on the bench or in the game and in the classroom. Make sure you get the grades. And that's some great advice. Thank you, Riley. And again, thank you and so much for being on the show guys make sure to not only check her out the auburn tigers out and her brand reaching dreams all the codes for all of her brands and her merch will be on the post for tomorrow for the episode so stay tuned for that again riley thank you so much for taking the time to be a part of the show yes thank you so much for having me no problem we'll be right back with more hoop jack guys so stay tuned And welcome back, guys. And I want to thank Riley for taking the time to come on the show. Make sure to check her profile out. Make sure to check out the team this season. Also, make sure to check out her merch line, which is Reaching Dreams. So stay, so be on the lookout for those on her page. Make sure to check out the store, guys, and make sure to support her as well. So we have come to the segment where it is our Dano's Deep Dives. Jake, tell us a little bit about Dano's seasoning. I mean, if you're if you're new to the program, you might not know about Danos. But if you've been listening and you're not eating Danos, I got one question: the heck is wrong with you? Anyway, if you're new, Danos seasoning uh, is a local guy from from like Kentucky. It's all natural, low sodium, low sugar. It's a utility seasoning. I'm telling you, you can put it on anything. It's the perfect seasoning for an athlete to give his food a little bit of flavor without overdoing it. And we can both vouch for it. Dano seasoning is the way to go. It's a lifestyle. So one of one of the deep dives that I think we could discuss today, and we've kind of talked about it as far as a what if situation, uh, kind of in another segment. But what di- what if Kevin Love and Kyrie didn't get hurt in the 2015 finals against e- Golden State? Easy money, Kevin. So, in perspective, the Cavs were in the, in the series without them, so what if they win? That means the team breaks the Cleveland championship drought a year early. The Warriors would make a few minor changes in the offseason other than the ones they originally made. Would the Warriors go for the all-time record? Would they be 73-9? and nine? Yeah, they, they probably would. Because if they had lost that, then there's no way they would have not came back swinging. They they still probably would have went seventy three and nine. They would have they would have definitely tried harder in the off season. But then that so they probably would, have brought back talent. And then repeated a trip to the finals. They went back to the finals, but whether they won the next year or not, that's kind of tough. We wouldn't, but we also wouldn't have the greatest comeback in NBA Finals history. I don't think we would have a three to one drought. And you come back. Yeah, there's a good chance we wouldn't. That Cavs team was awful outside of LeBron, Kyrie, and Kevin Love. That team was awful. It it wasn't one of the greatest finals teams. And then think about this perspective. If the 3-1 comeback that year doesn't doesn't happen like the next year, does KD come to the Warriors? Well, they were gonna. They would recruit KD regardless. I don't. I don't think they would have not made that phone call, just because they had the cap space. And it just made. It just made sense. They would. They definitely would have still went after KD. Whether he would have went there or not is to be determined. But what, they definitely would have went after him. And also the dynamic changed because you technically had four all stars on one team. If KD. Would have still gone to the Warriors, KD, Draymond, Clay, and Curry. That's four All Stars right there on one yeah. team. That's something I can't believe you, ever happened. Well, then the the following year you have Boogie. That's five, and that's five. It's it's amazing to know that that actually was allowed. Like that that was a that was a lineup at one point. Steph Curry, unanimous MVP. Clay Thompson, second greatest shooter of all time. Kevin Durant, Durant, one of the greatest greatest scorers of all time. Draymond Green, one of the best two-way players of this generation. And Boogie Cousins, one of the most 
versatile big men of this generation. All-star. Olympian. That team. That team was dominant. Ridiculous. People are going to look at that on paper one of these days and say, no, that's Photoshop. There's no way. (laughs) There's no way. There's no way that There's no way that actually happened. You're going to have to convince somebody to be like, no, no, yeah, that actually happened. But no, listen, listen to this Cavs roster from that year. How garbage it they was were. LeBron, re- yeah, LeBron Mozgov, uh, JR, uh, Tristan Thompson, uh, Della Vadova, Iman Shumpert, not even in the league anymore. Kyrie Irving, technically not in the league. James Jones, Mike Miller, Perk was on that team. And Joe Harris was on that team. I did not know Joe Harris was on that team. I do remember Joe Harris, but he was a small role, though. He yeah, didn't have that he, big of a role with that Cavs He team. played 30 seconds, or he averaged half a point, played a minute and a half a game. Yeah, it wasn't much. But LeBron, listen at this, averaged 45.7 minutes per game in that series. <sighs> Nearly the whole game. <laughs> 36 points, 13 uh-huh. rebounds, mm-hmm. nine assists, mm-hmm. a steal on – 40% shooting, 31% from three, and 69% from the free throw line. It's just 69% Ridiculous. is low. All things considered, that's low. But Yeah, still. he's not a good free throw shooter. No. Because his usage rating, um, 40% usage rating. In perspective, the second highest usage rating – was Steph Curry 30, 30%. But it's interesting to know that, that, like you said, on paper, no one would believe that roster in the future. Like in 30, year, like in 30 years, no one would believe that a roster actually happened. Yeah. Uh, that, that Golden State team was, was really, really deep. So – Put it in perspective, guys. That seventy-three and nine team was stat. I hate when people compare. Well, this wasn't even Who? the seventy-three and nine. Let me pull that seventy-three. No, that, and that's nine 70, team. but but that seventy-three and nine team. That five was what? Pachulia was Pachulia on that seventy-three and nine team. I think he was the five. Yeah, he was on that team. No, um, or was it the he, year before? I think he hurt. Um, he hurt. He heard, what's, his, uh, what's his face? Kawhi. Kawhi, he yeah. Kawhi. Another guy who doesn't like to play. So that team was Leandro Barbosa, uh-huh. Harrison Barnes, Andrew mm-hmm. Bogut, Ian Clark, Steph Curry, Festus Azili, uh, Draymond, Iguodala, Sean Livingston, Kevon Looney, James Michael McAdoo, Brandon Rush, Marquise Spates, Jason Thompson, Clay Thompson, and Anderson Verjao. Interesting fact, James, Mac- James Michael McAdoo is a VA kid. Like, yeah, yeah, like a VA, like his, uh, he played at Norfolk Christian, I believe. Went through like the Boo Williams circuit and everything. Boo Williams out of Hampton. His his numbers on that rafters for you know guys who made it, and it's cra- crazy that him his his numbers up there, Iverson's numbers up there, and I think Alonzo Mourning's numbers up there. Was this the year uh, Steph Curry was unanimous MVP? I think or that was, was it the, the year before. I think it was that. It wasn't the seventy-three and nine year. Was it the year before? I think it was the year before that he was the unanimous MVP. It was no. It was the fifteen sixteen team. It was the fifteen sixteen team. So it was the seventy-three and nine team. I mean, yeah, rightfully so. Oh yeah, rightfully. So. Oh, that makes but sense. Yeah. There was one year LeBron was one vote away for being unanimous MVP and the vote that he didn't get was a New York sports writer who voted for Mello when he was on the Knicks. <laughs> it's just, it's just, you know, hold that one. man accountable for his oh, stupid behavior. Hold that man accountable. Stupid Somebody behavior. find him. I know you want to find him. LeBron a, James LeBron has fan. been the greatest player in the NBA for a, what? 15 years? I think we need a... We're, we're looking 2006. <laughs> this man was the greatest player in the NBA. 15 years later, he's still the freaking greatest player in the NBA. <laughs> and he and someone voted Carmelo Anthony over him. I think we need a segment called What Makes 
Jake grind what gets his gears grinding? What grinds my gears? What grinds your gears? You know what really grinds my gears? The fact that one idiot thought Carmelo Anthony was MVP over LeBron. <laughs> I tell you another thing that grinds my gears. <laughs> That LeBron James has not won MVP at least nine times. Those the Derrick Rose years, Kevin Durant, no. Well, think about not most valuable player. Okay, well, okay, you made that argument. Well, think about this: Should MJ have won MVP all all the years? Yes. So, so let me. So he should have won more too. So, so the year that Barkley got it, he should have won it. Like the Tom year that Chico. the year that uh Carl Malone got it, he should have won it. And was there a I think there was a was there he a won it won it ninety one, ninety two, Barkley ninety three, Hakeem was... ninety David Robinson ninety five, MJ ninety six, Carl Malone ninety seven, MJ ninety eight, Carl Malone ninety nine, even though Michael Jordan consistently beat him down. He still so was getting the two, so the two, the two years that he didn't get it, which was '93 with Barkley, and '97 that was Carl Malone, the mailman. Michael Jordan deserved it, correct? Yes. Okay, so we're making that agreement. So just, and I'll tell I, you because I'm not saying that LeBron doesn't deserve those years. I think you got. If you you, give we it, get we get so used to greatness. That you want to find that it stops. You're right. It stops being great, and you want to find others who are great, but not necessarily, in my opinion, deserve it. In my opinion, because I think Harden, no, Westbrook didn't need an MVP, because you know, averaging a triple double every year is averaging a triple double in a season is great for one, but that's it. I think. Giannis so I'm gonna, it. I'm gonna set the value. Okay, let's go for it. I'm a, I'm gonna need a second here. You're gonna need a second to kind of give breathe. me a second here. I gotta breathe mentally, physically, emotionally. Okay. <laughs> Fireworks. Let me see what year this was. We're gonna, we're gonna compare player okay. A versus player B here. Okay. So. Are you going to tell me who which player A is and which player B is? or no? Nope. Okay, this will be fun. Welcome to the new segment called Who Deserved It More? Sponsored by Dano's. Dano's seasoning. Yum, yum, good. Okay, so that is the year. I think I, I, everything is just sponsored by Dano's at this point. We love Dano's. We love y'all so much. Yeah. Okay. Player A. Uh-huh. Averaged. Played 70 games. Uh-huh. Shot 55 percent, 76% from the free throw line. Mm-hmm. Seven rebounds, seven mm-hmm. assists, mm-hmm. one point uh-huh. twenty-seven points per game. Uh-huh. And let me see what the what year is this? Irrelevant the conversation. Um, team record. We're not even, even going to worry about that. Play- 21.8 points per game. 0.7 blocks. 0.9 steals. 7.9 assists. 3.4 rebounds. 80 throw line. 47% from the field and 31% from three. How many points player per game? Player A or player How many points for player B? Player A. Player B had... 20. Oh, where are we at? I'm sorry, I gave you the wrong year. Player player B stats 25 points, half of a block, one steal, 7.7 assists, three rebounds, 85% from the free throw line, 48% from the field, 33% from three. So that's player B. What year is this? Irrelevant. You're gonna know. No, no, you're gonna know. No, you're gonna know. You'll know as soon as I say oh, the year. You'll know. But but you know. So this is player. This is player A. Twenty-seven uh, points. Yeah. Seven rebounds or seven assists. Seven and a half rebounds. Seventy-six percent from the free throw line. Fifty-five percent from two. Thirty-three percent from three. Which player would you rather have? Uh, 
I know once you say these, people are going to be like, how could you choose him? Like, why? I'm going with A. Because player A. A has been the best player in the NBA <laughs> for 15 years. Let me guess, Chris. it was LeBron. <laughs> LeBron James in 2011 when Derrick Rose won MVP and got his face smacked in in the playoffs. You're just, Tell you're me just how. exactly. He, I don't know. anybody in their right mind me. would say I'm LeBron not, was better than I'm not saying that LeBron didn't deserve it that year. It's just now, you're you're not you can't it's not me you have to convince. It's the hundred writers and people voting that you gotta convince. Because we get so That's, used to greatness that it stops. I'm not saying you're not right. I'm saying now, I'm not I will, I will concede 2014 Grant deserved MVP. But yeah. 2011, LeBron James deserved MVP. Over Rose, I agree with you. I agree. Last year, Nikola Jokic did not deserve the MVP. I, I don't think he deserved MVP. But at the same because time... Because we're so used to Giannis so, being so, Giannis. So, so, yeah. because So, here's the thing. I agree with Jokic. He should not have been MVP. Because that Nugget team got smacked. And the now, reason that the reason Giannis, he got Giannis, MVP, and Giannis deserved the MVP, he deserved the, it. The reason that they gave it to Jan or Jokic last year was because he played all seventy-two games. I get that that's important, but the MVP shouldn't be getting swept. Unless if it's in the finals, I get it. That's the best team in the other conference. It, but that's, it's the that's same, almost excusable. But you got swept in like the second round. Yeah, by the team. That got beat four two in the finals. In the finals. I mean, that's just <laughs> what are we doing? I don't know. I don't know how that worked. And tell me how Steve Nash won MVP twice over Kobe Bryant. I, I don't want to talk about it. Because tell me how that makes sense. Because he averaged 15.5 points and 18.8 points in his two MVP years. You know what Kobe Bryant calls that? The first half. I know he died. That's a good point. This is the first half. Kobe deserved more MVPs than what he got. But like you said, when when greatness is great, people want something else. It's like we feel bad if one player dominates the league too much. And yeah, and in my opinion, it's the whole everyone has to participate. But that's me. You know the part. <laughs> Guys, I, I love, you know, everyone getting the chance to play, but if, if if little Timmy does not look like he wants to do it, don't force him to do it. Little Timmy does not want to play baseball. He doesn't want to. Yeah, if, a, if little Kyrie doesn't want to play basketball, don't make fine. it. The NBA is better without him. Find a new outlet. You know, there's plenty of things they can do. You don't got to force it just to make a parent, you know, please a parent. Find a, another creative outlet for them. Don't force them into something that they don't want to do. It's not going to be fun for anybody. So we reached the end of the show where we like to do a little mindful moment. And I know I know how Jake, fe- Jake feels. He had his little grind my gears moment with LeBron. I know he had to get that out. It's okay, buddy. It's okay. <laughs> we will live. That's the good the grind my gears moment <laughs> we will live to tell the tale but my little mindful moment jake do you have anything for a mindful moment oh man i my mindful moment is that i am thankful for the weekend this has been one of the longest weeks of my life with work i was yeah. I, I was able to leave a little early today i thought i would get, get to come home take a nap Spend some time with my wife before she goes to work. I got let me let me count the number of phone calls I got from three thirty mm-hmm. to four fifteen. Three I got home at about three fifteen. Yeah, I got one, two, three, four, five, six phone calls. I got. Let me see who texted me. One, <laughs> two, three, four different employees texted me. That's crazy. In an hour. 
I'm just trying to nap. I'm, I'm, my, that is my mindful moment. I'm glad it's the weekend. I ain't got to answer that phone. So my mindful moment uh, kind of goes along with what you're saying. I feel that um, work has just been taking over my my life. I've worked way too many jobs, and I think I just need to take some time off from certain work. Like I can't, I can't work myself to death, man. I can't be going to my 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 teaching job and then immediately after go ref. I need to take days off when I need to take days off because mm-hmm. if I keep doing this, I'm going to die. Yep. My legs are going to fall off and my wife will not to be very happy. So I think I'm going to take the initiative first and just say, look, I need, because after this week, I'm going to just be like, talk to my wife, when are your days off? Because we're going to do something. I'm not going to schedule for work after that. I'm going to come home. We're going to do something. Because in order to fix what we've broken, we need to start with that. And then we'll go from there. Otherwise, I'm going to ver- yell at somebody during my refing time, and I'm just going to say I quit yeah. and leave. Just eject everybody from the game. I will throw everybody over. out and say, "Yeah, nobody wins. It's a tie. Games. Of, it's a forfeit for both teams. It's a forfeit for both teams. You both get a loss. Nobody wins, and that's going to be it. So my mindful moment is: don't work so much that you lose sight of what's important in your life. Uh-huh. Manage the time wisely. Manage work wisely. Don't overdo work. I think that's my mindful moment for today. So I want to thank everyone for checking out, tuning into the show every every Monday and Friday. We love you guys. We thank you all for the support. Make sure to check out Riley and the Auburn Tigers this this season. I'm looking forward to see what they do in the SEC. War Eagle. Go War Eagle. You know, can't wait to see what they do. Uh, NBA season's right around the corner, guys. Right around the corner, guys. October 19th, right? That's yeah, opening four night. More days. Four more days, and we actually finally have something to talk about. And I do have the list. So remember, Jake and I made a list of the over-unders for teams this year. If wins-wise. So around, we'll see how we're doing halfway throughout the year. And then we'll go into who's making it to the playoffs. And we'll go from there. Because I do want to give it to like, you think Christmas will be a good time to start doing that? The finals? Yeah. By Christmas, Christmas we... By Christmas, we'll have a good idea idea. of what, who will make it. And we'll go from there. So be on the lookout for that, guys. Make sure to check out our Spotify, our Instagram page, at underscore, check underscore. Make sure to check out Dano Seasoning. Use the code use code HoopJack at the end of your purchase. And we love you guys. And thank you guys for the support. Make sure to keep supporting the channel. And remember, don't be a bystander. Be a hooper and keep balling. Peace. <laughs>